Welcome to Let Go Lean In, a podcast of resources for your journey of transformation. What kind of transformation? The wholehearted kind, personal, professional, and spiritual. Each week, you'll hear different transforming practices to help you on your journey of becoming more fully you. We'll hear from others about their own journeys, learning to let go of habits and patterns that no longer serve them, and how they're practicing leaning forward to the wise woman God has designed. I'll occasionally include a book recommendation because, well, that's part of how I'm wired. I love ideas and encouraging others to learn and grow. Thanks for being here. Well, welcome to another episode of Let Go Lean In. And today I have the privilege of introducing you to a recent acquaintance and a writing teacher for me, Carol Duff. Carol, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. As I just mentioned about being a writing teacher, you're not really a writing teacher, but you have been a teacher and you taught a little seminar that I attended with the Sage Forum. And so in that sense, I put those two together. <laughs> so, But I would love to um, read your bio so that the listeners can um, get to know you a little bit before we launch into our conversation. So here we go. Carol Duff is an award-winning veteran teacher accomplished presenter, serious flutist, and avid naturalist, and writer of narrative nonfiction. She posts weekly to her longstanding blog, Notes from Vanasprata, and has written for Brevity Blog, Mockingbird, Streetlight Magazine, the Perennial Gen, which is now the Sage Forum, for which she is a regular contributor, and other publications. Carol lives in Virginia's Blue Ridge Mountains with her husband, writer K.A. Kenny, and two large, over-friendly dogs, who I just got to meet, and they're darling. <laughs> Welcome, Carol. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Lisa. I have so many questions that I'm, I'm just... Um, I have to be careful not to take us off the path that I'm hoping that you'll be able to speak to. But in this season that you find yourself, that was, I told you before we started our, our recorded conversation, that's what drew me to you. The fact that you talk about this third act, this third um, chapter as a writer, and and the fact that there can be so much that that we can present to um, to others. And I'm just wondering if you could kind of give us the trajectory of how you got to do what you're doing today. Uh, well, thank you for asking. Um, it really started when I left my teaching position in 2010 in order to build a house with my husband, the house we're living in right now. I called it a sabbatical. Um, but it turned into a career change that I had never imagined. Uh, so in the third chapter of my life, I became a writer. I'd done a lot of technical writing in um, my previous career as a, as a teacher and administrator, um, but creative nonfiction is really quite different. Mm. Um, it is, uh, you know, an internal search. Um, 
And I was a novice, a total novice. And it wasn't always a very pleasant experience Mm. for someone who had been a well-respected teacher to all of a sudden not know what she's doing. Mm. I had no idea. Mm. Over 30 years of knowing what I'm doing, and now I don't. (laughs) And I'm taking classes from, from... teachers who could have been my students, my very recent students. <laughs> it was humbling. It was humbling. As I said, I hadn't planned on becoming a writer in my third chapter, but um, I, I really thought that I would follow what my mother had done. When she retired from teaching, she went back and substitute and volunteered. And I, I thought that's what I would do. I would go take another job or um, or volunteer. But then I found my husband's deceased daughter's journals Mm. and he encouraged me to read them in order to get to know her Um, my husband's daughter took her life 20 months before I met her father Mm. so I never knew her and there was a huge you know when you come into someone's life in the middle of the third and the middle of the second act of their life, there's a whole lot that has happened before. So we, we both kind of knew that if we didn't invest in getting to know our younger selves, that our marriage would be less. So I went ahead and uh, started reading and that quest took me on a seven year journey. Mm. As I got to know her, I uncovered secrets from my own life. Oh. So in a sense, that seven-year journey was the reason why I became a writer and why I continue to write and encourage others in order to find what I found, which was healing. Mm. Wow. I guess I'll always be a teacher, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I maintain you can take the teacher out of the classroom, but you can't. <laughs> take the classroom out of the teacher we just we I say we because you know I mentioned I was an educator before and and we really do approach things differently yes than maybe other professions if you will or or career choices so I I'm curious as as you mentioned that that beautiful recognition to get to know your younger selves because you weren't a part of that in each other's lives, how that could bring a more full relationship that has never occurred to me. And, and I have friends who are second half life um, starting marriage and things. And that's just beautiful, a great awareness and a seven year journey, not just in reading your husband's daughter's journals but in what it revealed to you is is that what your upcoming book is about yes Ooh, I I say that with this this uh this holy knowing that you've gotten through your first edits and and so that's a big process because one one edit is uh is not typical for those of you that are not writers there may be more but 
I know Carol's an Enneagram one. So the chances are she may have nailed it. <laughs> oh no. I just suffer when I don't. <laughs> and that uh, means all the time. <laughs> oh man. Isn't it's just a weight to bear when you know what the right thing is and you want to do it correctly. And, and yes, that's, well, what, what saves me as a one is that I have a two wing. And so when I'm serving others, mm. um, that um, that is um, the place where I know I'm supposed to be. Mm, yeah. you. It's like uh, what Eric Lytle said, you feel God's pleasure when mm -hmm. you're in that space. Yeah, that's uh, that's beautiful that you recognize that. And the the Enneagram, we could have an entire conversation around and and I do often, but that wasn't the, the trajectory <laughs> that I was hoping. Because your heart is toward encouragement and serving others and, and specifically within the writing that you do, it's two women. I'm wondering, um, if, if as you looked through that seven year and, and have reflected and written about it, is there kind of like an inciting incident where you said, okay, this, this is me now as a writer? Um, I knew I wanted to write about his daughter. I was mm. not really prepared to write about myself. But when I first started reading the journals, I had a visceral reaction. Mm. And um, I'm the kind of person that once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm. And once you see it, if you try to unsee it or ignore it, it God just keeps getting louder. <laughs> mm. And you also know that if you try to ignore it or avoid it, um, you are on um, dishonest ground. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you, as where you sit on the Enneagram, you have high integrity and sitting on dishonest ground can't last for long because it'll get after you and, and torment you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, recognizing that writing about not just his, not just his daughter but also that you were going to be writing about yourself that's that's work that um that sometimes we need to to bounce you know off of somebody else do you have a a a method as you're you know processing through perhaps a, a chapter or a particular element that you're learning more about do you have a, a method to approach um, uh, a lot of prayer yeah, and, um, and, uh, you know, um, asking the spirit to guide me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, then when I actually get a messy draft, um, I try to clean it up as much as possible. And, um, and then I give it to my husband because he has journeyed with me mm. through all of this through, um, and it's not just. Um, getting to know his daughter, all of the getting to know myself, peeling the layers away mm -hmm. that we spend years hiding from ourselves. And we're, you know, and, and uh, so it, it, it is quite a process. 
Um, and we are e each other's editors since he is oh, he is nice. a science fiction writer, and I I'm his first I'm his first reader, and he's my first reader. Um, we both belong to writing groups. I've always um, belonged to um, a writing group, and I, I took classes very early on because I. Uh, really honestly knew how to do technical writing. I really didn't know how to do creative writing, mm -hmm. um, especially creative nonfiction. Um, that just felt too revealing. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I, until I started this process, I didn't even keep a journal because I, I wanted to hide these things from myself and from everybody else. Okay. And as soon as you start doing that, you fall into sin. You really do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you start, And we all do. When we grow up, we, as children, we learn to um, uh, what acceptable behavior is. Sure. What we don't realize is that when we're, we're um, showing the world what we think the world wants uh, wants to see, we start burying our true selves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is really, really a faith journey um, mm -hmm. that um, that we're all on, whether the, whether we realize it or not. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. We're all on our journeys, whether we're paying attention, whether we realize it or not, and and that that revealing of your true self is is that work i i love to encourage the women that i get to work with to to identify what their through line is and and so you know for some people they you know oh i know ever since i was a little girl this and and for many they have not seen elements of that for years because that wasn't valued or there wasn't time or, you know, whatever it might be. And so to, to be able to encourage people in this, in this third chapter to step forward um, on this journey, do you, do you have like a, a nugget of inspiration that you would say if you were sitting, well, let's use me as an example, because I, I have written journals and poetry and things, but I haven't published anything more than one article for the perennial gin mm. and my blog, which I am mm. not consistent in writing because I say, who's reading? And, and so I talk myself out. So do you have a word of encouragement for somebody who wants to write, but doesn't <laughs> <laughs> self revelatory here? I think we're all, uh, we all scatter seeds mm. we, and, and we, um, when we come to know ourselves better, um, um, it's not only good to show that to, um, people that we meet, uh, but in these days, we also can show them uh, virtually, um, that is on a blog or, um, you know, any kind of any kind of publication um, that does not, however, mean that we're all called to write or to mm -hmm. share um, in that format. We can share in many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, but um, my one of my main um, points is that we must get to know our true selves mm. before 
we can honestly share with others. Life is about relationship, relationship with God, relationship with our families, our friends, our neighbors. It's about all totally about relationship. If we are not uh, true people, if we're hiding wounds, and we all have them, absolutely all of us have them, okay. of rejection, of loss, of disruptions, if we are hiding those wounds, we will pass on those to others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we face them down um, and look at them honestly and ask Jesus to heal them, then we will be able to pass along the love that we are called to pass along. In other words, we're called to love God and we are called to love others as ourselves as ourselves if we do not love ourselves as ourselves mm. we will pass along the harm yeah oh that's so true that's so true it reminds me i i think this is how uh, father richard Rohr says it if we don't transform our pain we'll transmit our pain you're familiar with that oh yes absolutely um Richard Rohr's book, Falling Upward, was mm. key. I can't tell you. I, I honestly don't know how many times I've read it over and over again. And you think you read it in your head, but until it goes to your heart, um, there, there is so much wisdom there. Um, and I keep going back to it saying, oh, that's what I was struggling with. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes, I, yeah, I read the second it. half of life. Yeah. Yes, it is so, so good. I read it in 2011, shortly after it came out. And I have taken it up again, only for my second reading, but elements of it have really framed these past, well, now 12 years of my life, because second half, you know, that what the letting go of the things that no longer serve, and and that's why my podcast is titled let go lean in and leaning in toward jesus to to move in this third act second half whatever way we want to frame it to to be able to be fully who god intends me to be intends you you the listener it really is this journey of re-knowing you know getting back to almost like the idea theologically of of wanting to get back to eden right it's that that origin story we get back to who we are intended to be and and you know we've we've used the idea of work or the word work in this uh excavation i'm going to say and yet a lot of times um, I know people who say, what do you mean by work? What, what is that? And, and for me, I have an understanding of that kind of work. Would you say part of it is, as you mentioned, and primary is prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to guide you as, as you're writing. What other tools might you recommend to the listener who might want to know more about what is what is the work of getting to know yourself um 
for me, it's a lot of reading. Yeah. And um, for years, it is, uh, you know, if somebody recommends a book, I, I pretty much know that that's the direction I'm, I'm supposed to go. Mm. Um, it's, it's very different from the control I thought I had on my life, um, before age 40, mm. um, because I was an atheist before age 40 mm. and, um, uh, Richard Rohr will describe it very well. Then there's the shock for a perfectionist like me. It was the shock of failing in marriage. Mm. And uh, that just brought me to my knees, just absolutely devastating. You know, how could I have worked so hard and failed so miserably? Mm -hmm. And I was literally killing myself um, because I didn't want to change. I was, I was uh, not sleeping. I was not eating. And I finally had to look up and say, but I have work I need to do. I've been called to be a teacher. I know that even though I didn't believe in God, I know, I know that I'm called to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I had two children that, um, and I, I looked at them and I said, if I kill myself and I wasn't suicidal understanding. I just was not taking care of myself at all. Right. right if right. I do, I will, they won't have a mother. They won't have a functioning parent. Yeah. So God has a way of, of, um, you know, reaching out, but also making it very, very difficult for you to make any other decision. Mm -hmm. So that's where it started. And from that time, it is, God, I believe you and the, you know, spirit, please guide me. So if you put a book in front of me, if you put a person in front of me, I always go back in and say, is this way you want me to go? This is what mm. you want me to go? Mm -hmm. But the journey that I took um, starting in 2000, it was actually the year before when I, and I started reading my um, husband's daughter's journals and then you know, fully dedicated myself when, when I left my, what turned out leaving my career, mm -hmm. that was a, that was a, a, a different, you know, you probably noticed that I spoke about God and the spirit and you probably noticed there's something missing in that Trinity. Yes, that's, that's what the seven year journey was all about. You know, mm -hmm. that's what you, you know, when you uncover the wounds and, um, you, you find for me, it was that huge missing piece, um, that involved judgment mm. It involved repentance. It involved forgiveness. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I came to understand what it meant to be a Christian. Mm. So um, the process, I, I really encourage those who are on a kind of journey. I really do encourage you to write it um, mm -hmm. because that holds your feet to the fire. You can talk all you want. You can, you can internalize in your head and fool yourself into thinking that, you know, oh, I've got this, I've got this because I did that. I've done that. I still do it. If I put it on the page all of a sudden it, it, it's a different reality. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting that everybody is called to, to put on the page and share with others. 
um, it's again, it's okay to take your journey and um, and find a different calling rather than writing and sharing. Sure. But journaling is very, very helpful. And um, because again, you can go back and look um, so much of the time, what we re what we think we remember is not what was happening. So I've gone back and looked at for the for, you know the past decade or so that I've been journaling. And even in my blog posts, I go back and I said, oh, I thought I had that or oh, I um I I thought this happened um you know a, a month uh, three months ago, but no, it was only last month. Yeah. So it it gives you um a record again holds your feet to the fire keeps you honest mm -hmm. uh, i know a lot of people are concerned that other people will find your journals and such and but i'm recommending that you journal use them and once they are of use to you you can then decide to keep them or destroy them yeah yeah i to that to that end i know women who have had the journaling habit in early years and now they recognize that that was, you know, a, a process for them to to think and write out their thoughts and experiences. But they've had a, a bonfire where they've, you know, let that go, honestly. Yes. And yes. and I, you know, recognize in in writing something like creative nonfiction, your journals can be a reference tool for yes. what you need to include in your present day writing. So it may not be the best thing for everybody to just go out and burn all their previous journals. If you're called to do some writing work, you might need those reference tools, right? Or, or anything to get to know your younger self. Right. Because so much of the time, as we, as we spoke, um, we hide. Yeah. We hide from ourselves. We hide ourselves from ourselves. Okay. So we go back and um, I, did, I didn't have journals, but I have letters. I have 30 years of letters that I wrote to my parents. Oh. Now that is a secondary source. That is not a primary source. That is a secondary source because it's filtered through what I wanted sure. my parents to know. But um, there's a lot of honesty there and a, a lot of holding my feet to the fire there. Um so in a way, my letters or someone's early journals, such as my husband's daughter, by reading them and processing them now in this third stage of life, this third chapter of life, is a way of letting go mm. of mm. that younger self. Mm. It's a way of looking at yourself in the mirror and then saying, now I understand. And you really can't do that. When you're a student, when you're a child or an adolescent, that's what you're writing from. You're writing from um, that, that person is writing. When you're a young adult or middle-aged, that's the stage you're writing from. You know, your second act of life where you're pursuing success and power and wealth and control and all that stuff. And that, that right. is quite appropriate for earning a living and raising a family. Yeah, that building phase, like Father yes. Richard talks about. Yeah. In your third stage of life, you have the opportunity 
to uh, look back and you have the opportunity to make sense of what that was all about, that you were too mm -hmm. busy. You were too busy living to live. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But exactly. now you can look back. The danger is, there's a little bit of danger. The danger is that you are still that child. You are mm -hmm. still that adolescent. You are still that young adult. So I constantly have to ask myself, who's writing that story? Is it, is it, the child who wanted to be attractive and 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 um, approve she wanted approval mm -hmm. is it um the rebellious adolescent it is it um the young adult who wanted to succeed oh my goodness as a perfectionist no success is is such a lure oh yeah i want to succeed as a writer um lord help take that away. Right. May I do your will, not mine. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, and it is, that is a constant process. If, yes. if our desire is for him and to be who he's made us to be, then that clarifying, you know, asking for awareness, am I doing this for the wrong motives? You know, help me see from your perspective, is this a value? Is this something to let go of? And and to, to take on that perspective of time as we mm -hmm. look back to put in proper order, if you will, uh, not just dates and events, but the emotion and the developmental stage that we were in at that time and to to have grace for ourselves mm -hmm. which i know for one is a really challenging thing to do because but wait it could be better <laughs> and <laughs> and you can improve and and yes that's true that's the idea of the reformer right to to yeah. help bring the good forward so I, I love this idea of taking the time to really get to know your younger self and, and recognize, like you wisely said, it's not just um, perhaps to become a writer, but to connect with those parts of yourself that you've been too busy to pay attention to that are part of where you're at right now. and and see for this this second half you know i feel this turning right we look back we look at ourselves in the mirror in the present and we turn toward the future what do we carry with us and and how can we this is the question all the time how can we be wholehearted and fully who God has intended us to be. And, and that's kind of the discovery process. It's not just the looking back. It's also the paying attention as we look forward. Right. So. And that is a process which yeah. we will um, never, we will never reach perfection. Mm. Only, God, only God is perfect. It, right. However, it's a good goal. It's a good goal to get over ourselves, to let go of our selfishness and selfishness mm -hmm. is defined as putting ourselves first before God right. to understand. We do that constantly, almost every moment 
we are putting ourselves before God because we want approval. We want to be in control. We want to be right. We want what we want. Yeah. And if we, um, you know, if, if we have that awareness, we have a better opportunity of, of, of stepping back and kind of laughing at ourselves and, you know, and, and, um, then praying for, uh, and that is, that is, um, that is the process. And you mentioned, you mentioned gifts of, of, um, of the steps one can take, mm-hmm. um, as you get to know yourself, I would highly recommend that you take a spiritual gifts inventory. Mm. I, as, as you know, I did um, lots and lots of reading and studying about personality tests and and all kinds of things, and they all are very helpful. But I I uh, I I think that when I took the spiritual gifts test, I didn't learn it. It affirmed what I had mm. learned about myself mm-hmm. that. Um, service and generosity and both kinds of leadership, uh, both visionary leadership and um, that kind of maintenance um, leadership, yeah. you know, sticking sticking to it, um, uh, you know, the, the details as a perfectionist would. Yeah. But once I learned that, um, then I could step back and assess what am I doing in my life? So much mm. of my childhood um, and um, student years were were meant to form me into the young adult who could earn a living and raise children, et cetera. Sure. Um, but in this third stage of life, you then can step back and say, what am I doing? What am I called to do? I know I was called to be a teacher, but I, you know, when when I left my job, I, I was absolutely terrified because I didn't know who I was anymore. Right. I'm not raising children and I'm not teaching. So, you know, and I'm I'm going to run out of things to do. Oh no. You know. Mm-hmm. But um, and the temptation when you are afraid like that, and my number, my number one stumbling block block is fear. Mm-hmm. But when you're afraid like that, um, you tend to just fill up your schedule, you know, with, with things and you say yes to things and Mm -hmm. that you might not be called to do, and you might not even be good at it. And, um, and, and of somebody else, you, you might be taking away what their mission is. Yeah. So taking that spiritual gifts inventory helps you. And then you say, let's assess everything I'm doing. Am I using my gifts? Then prayer, Mm -hmm listening. It's that internal journey. Only then am I ready to go out when I've done that kind of internal discernment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And discernment is not my gift. My husband, it is my husband's gift. He is a tremendous compliment to to me. Um, But only then can I, and so I can bounce it off him as, well, what do you, what do you think, sweetheart? You know, do, do you think, you know, this, this is reasonable or am I just um, afraid that I need more to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quite honestly, yeah. uh, I my to do list. I I still overfill overfill my to do list. <laughs> yeah. But I I think that's um, quite typical of um, especially of women and uh, women who have raised children. They're used to juggling so many different things, and right. when they're not juggling them, they feel like something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's also. It- First of all, I love everything that you just said. I, I literally had to say to myself, don't say preach it, sister. 
because I'm going to interrupt you. But I loved everything that you said to to be able to examine and and recognize and discern and with the help of others. You know that those are those are all really important points and and to be able to see yourself outside of yourself is it takes another set of eyes and so asking for guidance in the process and bouncing this do you do you see me this way but the back to the to-do list and the filling this is this is something that you know, I say for myself, because I'm an Enneagram seven, as my listeners already know. So I, I can distract myself in a paper bag. I, you know, like, oh, I wonder what this, you know, <laughs> just keep myself busy without productivity. But what I wanted to say, most women, because the first half of life is about productivity, you know, getting getting the job if you're you're married then developing that relationship if you're a parent then raising those kids going on in your career it's all productivity based and when you come to this juncture where you have now perhaps you know seen the writing on the wall within your organization and ageism is a thing and it making that shift away from being productive is a hard shift because that has been the first half or two thirds of your life. So having your to-do list still, Carol, is not a bad thing. <laughs> Recognizing that you have the to-do list, you know, and for what purpose, that's all part of that journey, right? Yes. However, my to-do list now as, as you've um, indicated, is different from the first half of life. Mm. Um, now, you know, when I, when I was raising children and uh, teaching full-time and, you know, I was raising, um, I was a single parent for over a decade. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and they were active and, you know, so there was, there were piano lessons and dance and scouts and, you know, all, yes, and all the things, right? Tournaments and cookies to bake. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> along with, I was, I was teaching adolescent girls. And so that's a, you know, and then all of a sudden I have adolescents in my house. Um, <laughs> it's a so lot of hormones. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, it, you know, when in the first half of my life, balance was more a matter of, all the things um, that I needed to do just to make it through the day, mm. just to pay the bills and make sure that, you know, my, my kids had clean clothes and, and right. a decent meal, you know, those things right. uh, and their homework done. Um, and that um, I wasn't too frantic to listen to them. Mm -hmm. In the second half of life, um, I pay closer attention to a different kind of balance. I pay attention to five aspects of life. Oh. Physical, I pay much closer attention to my health. Yeah. I pay much closer attention to my spiritual life. I make sure uh, as you know, and this has not been a problem for me um, because of writing and such, but um, I think some people in their third stage of life lose their intellectual edge. Mm -hmm. And so I challenge myself intellectually, um, especially 
trying to, trying to do new things, mm-hmm. even though it's um, it's uncomfortable. Um, I also pay attention to family in a different way. I'm not raising children anymore. We have one grandchild, mm-hmm. but our children are grown and gone, and um, so family is it's different. Um, and there, uh, there's much more of an emphasis on my marriage, um, which has been a tremendous, my second marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, my first husband was not a believer. Um, God gave me a believer for a second mm-hmm. husband. And mm-hmm. that has also, you know, uh, yes, God brought us together. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, but family, family is different. We define it differently. Um, our, none of our children live nearby. Um, and then there's community. The community I had in um, when my children were growing up, my community was related either to work or to their activities or the school mm-hmm. units or mm-hmm. PTA committees and things like that. Right. Community now is, is different. Um, uh, we are so much more able to uh, be involved in church. Um, my husband is an elder. I um, have been on the women's ministry team for years. Mm. So that was a good fit. Yeah. Um, I have returned to music after years. Wow. You know, So returning to old enthusiasms and the door opened and I went, yes, I'm practicing every day and I'm singing. Oh, yeah. um, so participating that way, and um, certainly in a writing community, I've been, I, not only classes, but um, I join writing organizations, uh, I um, in writing groups to get that kind of feedback for other people that are also learning and growing and supporting one another. Um, my husband, as you indicated in my bio, we live in the Blue Ridge Mountains. We live in a very um, rural community. Um where there's a neighborhood association, we are both officers in the neighborhood. We have children in the neighborhood. We have elderly people in the neighborhood, and um, there are needs. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're called to again walk into those messy relationships, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it can be messy at church. Being in a community of believers is different from being in a community of non-believers. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been a real growth opportunity um, for for both of us, um, um, and so the the that balance, letting go of that previous balance, those previous goals of that mm-hmm. first half of life, and embracing the calling, the mm-hmm. new balance. Um, and mm-hmm. so when I look at my list, my list are those five things. I say, okay, which, what am I doing for each one of those? What am I doing for my physical? What am I doing for my spiritual? What am I doing for my family today? Um, what am I doing intellectually? What am I doing for my community? Mm, I love that. That's so intentional and, and yet not overfilled. It's a, <laughs> it's a great, well, you know, could be overfilled, I guess, depending on, on perspective, but it, it's not 15 things on the list that you need to accomplish every day. It's five categories and you keep referring and guiding based on those five categories. That is so 
easy to replicate. And, and I love that. Carol, you have brought so much encouragement in this conversation. I am confident that people who have been listening are saying, taking notes. And, and to that end, I want to make sure that they're connect with you. So in the show notes, that'll be on the, on the website for the podcast, they will be able to see where they can reach out to you on, on the socials and, and then on your website. And thank you for being willing to offer to um, the listener, if they're interested, that wonderful um, writing seminar that I got to meet you in. And I really encourage you all to go to Let Go Lean In podcast and look for that opportunity to connect with Carol, because she's obviously an encourager and has a lot of wisdom that has come from paying attention, looking back and being intentional about moving forward. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a gift. Thank you for inviting. It is um, um, it is a blessing. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. I so appreciate you taking the time to listen and engage with the thoughts that come out of my head and into this microphone, as well as listening to conversations that I'm privileged to have with other amazing people who are doing great work in the world. I would really appreciate you sharing this episode or other episodes of Let Go Lean In podcast with people who you think would benefit from the information that is being shared here. Also, it's always a great help to others by liking and subscribing to the podcast so that the SEO goes up and Apple Podcast and where you listen to podcasts will show the podcast as interesting and available. So please help us out to get the word out by liking and subscribing and coming back next week. Thanks for being here.